Remember, last week we started talking about the Holy Spirit as the third person of the Godhead or the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And really, I ended last week talking about how important it is for us to recognize that the Holy Spirit is not just some, some mystical spirit out here in the air that we can't know, that we can't experience, or, or something like the Force, you know, in Star Wars. For those of you that are Star Wars fans, it's, it's not just something, uh, something like that. The Holy Spirit is a person that you and I can know that we can experience. Why? Because He is God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so I really challenged us, and, and not just last week, but I really want to challenge us moving forward, um, not just for the next four weeks, but just in your walk with God. I want to challenge you to continue to pursue the Holy Spirit. It's not, there is a place in scripture where Paul will talk about desiring spiritual gifts. That's something we should do. But, but I think at some level, there has been this even move in the church where we have so desired experiences and gifts that we've missed the most important thing, and that is pursuing and desiring God. And so I want to make certain, and when we do that, there are, there are gifts, there's fruit that will follow that pursuit of God. And so, and, and, and I want you to hear me, there is a place that we are to, we should desire spiritual gifts. We should desire the work of the Spirit in our life, but our pursuit as believers should be a pursuit of God. And when we do that, we will begin to see that fruit that will begin to unfold. We'll talk more about that later. But I want to make certain as we move forward in this series that we are, as believers, as followers of God, that we are making certain that we are pursuing the third person of the Trinity, that is God. Now remember, I said this last week, and do not go out and misquote me. We don't serve three gods, all right? Everybody would agree. We serve one God. Everyone say amen. Okay, all right, and if you believe otherwise, talk to me afterwards, because I'm not saying otherwise. We serve one God who reveals or he manifests himself in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I want to move on today then. What I want to do really over the next three weeks is not focus so much on who the Holy Spirit is, but now what I want us to do, now that we have kind of a grasp of who he is, I want us to focus our attention on the activity of the Holy Spirit in our lives as individual believers, and also in the life of the church. Gordon Fee, I quoted him last week, a, a commentator, one that I enjoy um, reading. Uh, he said this, he said, the spirit is the agent of God's activity. Uh, D.L. Moody, some of you may be familiar with D.L. Moody, he said this, the Holy Spirit is God at work. So today I want to focus our attention on the activity of the Holy Spirit, on the activity of God in our lives through the manifestation of the third person of the Trinity, and that is the Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit, is constantly, I want you to hear this, this is important, He is constantly at work in the life of both believers and non-believers, and He is constantly drawing people to Himself, transforming them from the inside out and empowering them to do his work. Now, I know that's a mouthful, but that really will shape our focus over the next three weeks because today we're going to look specifically at the Spirit uh, as the one who brings us to Christ, uh, the one who draws us to himself. Uh, more specifically, we're going to look at the Spirit's activity in regards to salvation, in regards to conversion. Next week, we're going to focus more specifically on, on the Spirit as being the one who makes us more like Christ. 
Um, and, and so when I throw out the word sanctification, I know that's a, a big word, but it just simply means the process of becoming, process is key in sanctification, all right? The process of becoming what God has already declared us to be. And so what we're gonna do next week is we're gonna look at the, the, the activity of the Spirit in our lives as the one who continues uh, as we submit to the, the Holy Spirit, as we submit to um, the work that he's doing in our lives, we're gonna look at his transformation Transforming work in our hearts, in our lives, as we become more and more like Him. How many in this room want to reflect the character of our Son Jesus Christ? Amen. That should be our desire, and we can't do it through our own efforts. We are human beings, we are fallen creatures, we will fall flat on our face every single time, but through the power and through the help of the Holy Spirit, we, we can become and we should want to become more like him. And then finally, the final week, June 27th, we'll actually have, um, I'll, be, I'll be preaching, but we're going to have just a, a missionary guest that's going to be just doing a short window uh, with us on June 27th, and, and, and I'm actually going to have her tag team with me at the end of, end of my message as well, because we're going to talk about the Spirit uh, as, as the one uh, who um, empowers us to make Christ known. And, and we're going to look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8, um, where Jesus said to his disciples just before his ascension, you will be my witnesses, where in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. And he told his disciples, wait for the promise of the Father, and when he comes upon you, then you will be my witnesses. And, and so we're going to talk, talk about the Spirit as being the one who empowers us, who equips us to make Christ known uh, to the world. That may be to, to our uh, co-workers, to our family, uh, or to even an unreached people group that has never had access to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so uh, the missionary that's going to be with us, um, she's going to be sharing a little bit her heart. She's getting ready uh, to head onto the field as a missionary associate, and she's going to uh, share her heart with us then. So the next three weeks, we're going to spend time unpacking and examining the work of the Spirit. We're going to begin by exploring today the work of the Spirit and bringing the non-believer or even the searching individual to himself. I want you to know this and I want you to hear this this morning. The Spirit of God is working in the life of your child. He's working in your life. He's working in the life of your prodigal son or your prodigal daughter. The Spirit is even working in the one who has yet to have his or her heart exposed and open to the good news of the gospel. How many believe that the Holy Spirit is always working and moving in the lives of those, even the ones that we are, as we pray for the 3.28 billion unreached people groups, as we pray for the 212,000 in East Central Indiana that are unchurched, as we pray for the 14,000 here in Jay County that are unchurched, the Holy Spirit is working. He's drawing those people to him. He is is softening their hearts so that when people do share the hope, the good news of Jesus Christ, their hearts are ready to receive and they can respond. Now, we still have a choice we have to make. The choice is still still mine, it's still yours, it's still the the other person. They still have to choose to follow him, but the Holy Spirit is always working and orchestrating. Honestly, um, usually we don't know how or what's happening. We just have to trust and know that he's always orchestrating and moving in ways to draw people to himself. So to reveal this truth this morning, I want to turn our attention to a um, maybe rather familiar narrative from Paul's second missionary journey. In your Bibles, Acts chapter 16, uh, we're going to read verses 6 through 15. Paul, um, if you know much about Paul, Paul was actually, uh, and, and you get this if you read the book of Acts, 
uh, Paul, whose name used to be Saul, not King Saul, that's a different, different person, um, Saul or Paul. Paul was actually, before he became a missionary, before he became um, a, a rather famous individual, he wrote over half the New Testament. And, 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 but before Paul became an incredible proclaimer of the good news of Jesus Christ, Paul was a persecutor of Christians. Paul's the one in Acts chapter 9, or it was Saul at the time, who was struck down on the road to Damascus. And he had an encounter with the risen Christ. And from that moment forward, his life was forever changed. And, and so Paul is, Paul is then charged from that moment forward. He is charged with really taking the gospel uh, to the ends of the earth. And, and so when we, get, when we read in Acts chapter 1, we're kind of given uh, this, this record of where the gospel is going to go, Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. It's actually Paul, that, along with some of his partners, that actually get the gospel to the ends of the earth, at the, the known world at the time. And, and he gets all the way to Rome where he is able to take the gospel. But Paul, on his second missionary journey, this is one of his encounters, and we, this is where I want to kind of camp out for a few minutes this morning and see uh, how this story, this narrative can shape our life and our understanding of the activity of the Holy Spirit. Let's read, beginning in chapter uh, 16, looking at verse number 6. Next, Paul and Silas, they traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Mycenae, they headed north, for the province of Bithynia, but again the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there, so instead they went on through Mycenae to the seaport of Troas. How many in here are, are directionally challenged? Any, any directionally challenged individuals? You're thinking, I wish he would have put a map up there. I should have. I didn't. Um, go look it up later, but just know that the Holy Spirit was preventing them from going one place, so they went another, and they were just listening to the movement and to the word of God. Verse 9, that night Paul had a vision man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. We boarded a boat at Troas and sailed straight across to the island of Samothrace, and the next day we landed at Neapolis. From there we reached Philippi, a major city of that district of Macedonia and a Roman colony, and we stayed there several days. So, so Paul, finally, after he has this vision of a man in Macedonia who is calling him to come, they finally end up in this city of Philippi. Philippi, uh, Paul will actually write a letter to the church at Philippi, Philippians. And uh, it's actually a, a church that he becomes pretty good friends with, actually. And he has a good relationship with this congregation, with this church. But this is where Paul and Silas, they finally end up in Philippi. It was a, a community within the Macedonia area. It was a colony in that day. Verse 13, on the Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer. And we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshiped God as she listened to us. The Lord opened her heart and she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her household, they were baptized and she asked us to be her guest. If you agree that I am a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home. And she urged us until we... Agreed. Now, this experience of Paul's uh, of Paul really reveals three very critical truths that I want to share this morning with you regarding the Holy Spirit and His activity 
in our life, in his work, in the life, especially in the life of an unbeliever or somebody that is searching for something more as the Holy Spirit brings them to saving grace. There's three things I want to share with you very, very briefly this morning. Number one, this is nothing profound by any means, but I want us to understand this and grasp this this morning. The Holy Spirit cares deeply about the lost. How many believe that this morning, that he cares, God cares deeply about those who are lost, who don't have a relationship. He cares about those who are searching. He cares about all of us. Uh, but, but there is this sense that the Holy Spirit cares deeply about those who are not in right relationship with him. I want to read this text again, and I want you to see this in, in chapter 16. I'll read it to you next. Paul and Sil- Quickly, Paul and Silas, they traveled to the area of Phygria, Galatia, because the, the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in, that, in the province of Asia at that time. And then coming to the borders of Mycenae, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. If I'm Paul on this missionary journey, I'm getting a little bit frustrated. Like, I think I'm supposed to go here. Nope, he's preventing me from here. Now let's go this direction. And he's all over the place, but he's listening and he's discerning the direction uh, of the Holy Spirit in his life. So instead, they went on through Mycenae to the seaport of Troas. That night, Paul had a vision, man from Macedonia, northern Greece, standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia, help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once concluding that God was calling us to preach the good news there. Now, I want to make this statement, and I think we see this in the text very clearly. He, God, the Holy Spirit, he positions us. He positions people in the path of those who need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. How many believe that God often positions us in the path? Sometimes, and I pray and I hope that that we put ourselves in a position where we are listening to the direction and the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives because I believe that God is often positioning us. I I don't necessarily think it's just coincidence but coincidence but I think God and I believe that he is positioning us in the path of those who need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ that might be for you that might be your place of employment that might be while standing in line at at Walmart or the Dollar General or wherever it is um, sometimes I think sometimes we like to just kind of you know be to ourselves and 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 really dismiss everything that's going around going on around us. We don't want to talk to anybody. We don't want to interact. And and we've all been there. It's okay. We can we can say we've been that person where we don't want to have a conversation. We just want to kind of be to ourselves. But I believe we need to make certain that we are often recognizing that there is an opportunity where God has positioned us or placed us to minister to someone that may be in need. Paul and Silas's itinerary was determined by the Holy Spirit's prompting. They, they, their itinerary, where they traveled, where they went, where they preached the gospel, it was determined by the Holy Spirit's prompting. We see that they went through Phygria and Galatia, but the Holy, because the Holy Spirit prevented them from preaching in the province of Asia. They went north to Bithynia, but again, they were prevented by the Holy Spirit from going there. And then through a vision, he was led to Macedonia where they would preach the gospel and eventually Paul and Silas, they would plant a church in the city of Philippi. Paul and Silas's itinerary was determined by the Holy Spirit's prompting. Paul, even Paul himself, remember in, in Acts chapter 13, uh, when Paul and Barnabas, they're commissioned, they're sent out as, as missionaries to go and preach the gospel. They were sent out and they were led by the direction of the Holy Spirit, allowing them to preach the gospel to those who needed to hear. Look in verse 4, it says, so uh, Barnabas and Saul, which is Paul, they were, how were they sent out? They were sent out by the Holy Spirit. And they went down to the seaport of Seleucia and they sailed for the island 
of Cyprus. So not only was their itinerary um, prompted by the move in the direction of the Holy Spirit, but even Paul himself, along with Barnabas and Silas and others, uh, they were commissioned, they were sent out by the Holy Spirit. So they were discerning his direction. So anywhere they went, they knew that they were there because God had sent them. They had been positioned in front of people who needed to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul and Silas through their discerning spirit and obedience to the Spirit's leading, they would end up sharing the hope of Christ to searching and hungry hearts. Look at Acts 16, verses 13 and 14. It says, On the Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer and we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia. She was a merchant of expensive purple cloth. She worshiped God. People believed that Lydia was a God-fearer, but she had not had a, a, an encounter with the risen Christ. And, and so she would be considered one that was maybe searching, had a searching heart, but had not yet given her life or surrendered herself fully over to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And it said, as she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart and she accepted what Paul was saying. Her and even her household would end up being baptized here in just a moment and so Paul and Silas through their discerning spirit they would end up sharing the hope of the gospel to those whose hearts were hungry and searching he is still positioning you positioning me positioning every believer in the path of those who need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ I can't stress that enough and I know that seems maybe very, very simple, but the reality is any encounter that we have, any, any conversation that we have, God is, I believe God is positioning us, he is orchestrating us and positioning us before people who need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's one of the reasons, folks, I'll tell you to be honest, one of the reasons why I'm here today, why this church is here today, um, as we begin to pray about, as we begin to, dis to discern you know, the, the God's direction. And I won't give you, if you want to know the whole story, I've, I've talked with a few of you before. Um, you know, somebody said, you know, why are you doing this? Why did you come here? I can give you the, the whole story. I don't have time to do that today. But the simple answer, the short answer, is this is where we believe God and the Holy Spirit was moving us and directing us. And let me tell you, as soon as we said yes to where we believe God was calling us, I can tell you there were several confirming moments after that. And so we have to make certain that we are discerning and hearing the movement of God in our lives so he can position us to share the story, the good news of Jesus Christ. I want to share this story with a college-age Christian named Angie. She wrote of her encounter with an, intention, uh, an international student just before the Christmas of 2006. I was just graduating high school, anyone cares. Um, I had a divine appointment on the flight from Chicago to Lincoln sitting next to a 19-year-old Saudi Arabian guy, Ali, who was on his way to begin at the university here in Lincoln. As soon as I heard that he had never been in the U.S. before and was from the Middle East, I felt Jesus tugging at my heart. Anybody had one of those moments where you felt God really tugging at your heart? I need to, I need to speak to this person. I need to share. I need to, I need to just encourage this person. Uh, that's not some bad food you ate. It's very likely the Holy Spirit tugging at your heart, asking you to speak into this person's life. So she felt that tugging and says after a little chit-chat about his feelings about being so far from home and asking what he knew about American culture or life in Nebraska, I told him I was a follower of Jesus 
I asked about his spiritual background. I told him that he'd probably meet a number of people in Nebraska who are Christians and said it would probably be helpful to understand a little of where they're coming from. I pulled out uh, the four spiritual laws and read through each point with him. Talked a little bit more, and then I went to read my book. He went back to the booklet and read it cover to cover. I could hardly concentrate. I was so excited. I prayed for him as he was reading it, thankful to have been reminded this morning in the word that God is the one who works, convicting people of their need for him. After he finished reading, I asked him what he thought, and he said it was very interesting. As we landed, I told him I'd pray for him, then was convicted that I should do it right there. Scary. What would this Muslim think? I asked if I could pray for him, and he immediately said yes. The baggage claim, I went over and met his cousin, invited both of them to an American culture event, Christmas Eve service at our church. We'll see, she said. This is why I love being a Christian, she exclaimed. It's heart-pounding, scary at times, and exhilarating when I see someone that I know Jesus wants to come to him, and I have the choice to step out in faith or stay in security. God so desperately cares about bringing lost people to himself, the Holy Spirit sends us out and he positions us among people who need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's be obedient to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Let's, let's not say, well, I'll do that another day or uh, maybe I'll see them again or I'll have that conversation later when you sense the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Let's be obedient because sometimes I believe he positions us, and that may be the only time that we have that encounter with that individual, the only time or maybe the only possible way that they would hear the gospel. We don't know, but we have to be obedient to the prompting of the Holy Spirit in our lives. If he says to move, if he says to, to have that conversation, we need to listen. Paul describes it. He says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? How can they believe they never heard, and how can they hear unless someone tells them? How will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why scriptures say how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. Who is the Holy Spirit sending you to? Who is he sending me to? Who is he sending us to? The Holy Spirit calling you to go to a specific person or place, I can't answer that for you, only you can answer that question. Don't ignore the prompting of the Spirit because you may be the only opportunity that person, that family, that village, that unreached people group has to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit positions us in the path of those who need to hear the gospel. This is how the Holy Spirit brings people to himself. He uses us. He uses the church, the body of Christ, to proclaim his goodness, his faithfulness, to share the hope of those who need him. He uses you. He uses me. We don't, you don't have to have a degree. You don't have to be behind a pulpit. You don't have to be a pastor to share the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. He positions us all in our workplace, in our home, in our cars, in line somewhere. He positions us all in the pathway of somebody that needs to hear the good news, the hope we have in Christ. And I pray and I hope that we would be obedient to the prompting of the Spirit in our life. God cares about the lost. Do we? Number two, 
the Holy Spirit, not only does he desperately care about the lost, but the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts us of sin and the truth of the gospel. Now, I, I know that can be a, a subject that we don't necessarily like to talk about, um, and, and I know there have probably been times for all of us where we've sensed the conviction of the Holy Spirit in our lives where, where I shouldn't have done this or I shouldn't have said that. I won't ask you to raise hands. I think we've all been there before. Um, and and that, that, that guilty feeling that we get, um, that sense of, man, that was the wrong thing to do, um, most likely is the conviction of the Holy Spirit. He convicts us of sin, but he also convicts us of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look again at our text, Acts chapter 16, verse 13. On the Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer. We sat down, we spoke, we spoke with some women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia, uh, who worshiped God. As she listened to us, the Lord, he opened her heart and she accepted what Paul was saying. John 16, verses 7 and 8 speaking of the holy spirit john writes but in fact jesus says but in fact it is best for you jesus says that i go away because if i don't the advocate the spirit the promise of the father won't come if i do go away then i will send him to you and when he comes listen speaking of the holy spirit when he comes he will do what he will convict the world of its sin and of god's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The work of conviction, I want you to hear this, the work of conviction, it is the work of the Holy Spirit. It is not the work of human judgment. We're not the ones that, that are to bring conviction upon somebody's heart or their soul. We're not the one who is, that's, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. He's the one that convicts us. He's the one that begins to expose our sin and our shame and our guilt. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, not the work of human beings. Um, that's not our role. That's not our task. Our task is to point people to the gospel, to point people to his word and allow the Holy Spirit to transform them, to convict them, to, to be begin to reveal those things in our life that don't line up with his word. And so I want to make certain that we know as believers, our job is to point people here to the word of God and allow the word of God to allow the Holy Spirit as we read it, as we hear it, to convict us of sin, but also to reveal the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The word to convict of guilt in, in Greek is elenexi, and it means to present or to expose the facts, to convince somebody of the truth. One commentator said this, the spirit works on the minds of the unsaved to show them the truth. And so what the Holy Spirit is doing for those that are searching, those that are maybe unreached, is he's working on the minds and the hearts so that when the gospel is presented, their hearts and minds are ready to receive that good news. They can be convicted not only of sin, but realize their need for God. The Holy Spirit is the one who exposes or makes known our sin, and he reveals to us the truth about sin. And guess what? He doesn't just point out our sin. He doesn't just expose it. He doesn't just reveal it. But what does he also do? He also makes certain that we know the availability of God's forgiveness and saving grace. Part of that conviction, he exposes our sin. He convicts us of the sin in our life, the sin in the world. But what he also does is he makes certain that we recognize that in his word, what is available is forgiveness, saving grace for those. What, what is David? David says, search me, O God, know my heart, test me, know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. And then what does he say? And lead me, lead me along the path of everlasting 
life. The Holy Spirit still is convicting believers when we sin. That's the work of the Spirit. How many, let me just ask this, make certain you're still with me. How many are thankful that the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin? I hope we all are, um, because if not, then, then we're just going to continue uh, in that sin or in that struggle that we're in. And so I'm thankful for the work of the, I'm thankful that he convicts us, but I'm also thankful that he reveals to us the truth of the gospel and that in Christ, forgiveness is available, grace is available, and I am thankful for that. The Holy Spirit reveals to the unbeliever, this is key, to the unbeliever, their state of lostness and their need of a savior. One of, the, one, of the, one of the works of the Holy Spirit, especially if you know somebody who isn't serving Christ, if you have a prodigal son or daughter, uh, somebody that's not walking with the Lord, one of the beautiful things and one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is he will continue to reveal to them their, their lostness and, 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 and make them realize or help them realize that without Christ, uh, they, are still in, they are still lost and they are in need of a savior to rescue them. Lydia heard the gospel proclaimed the Holy Spirit brought conviction upon our on our heart uh, that came with the presentation of the word of God and she responded to the spirit's work but her heart was open and she experienced a significant change I want to make this note and this is key proclamation proclamation of the gospel in conjunction with the spirit's activity is the best recipe for conviction to produce confession and for confession to produce belief I want you to hear that it, it, it's, it's in conjunction when we present the word of God. The word of God is alive. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. And, and, and it is the truth of God's word. The spirit is the one that, that leads us and guides us into all truth. When we present or proclaim the gospel in conjunction with the activity of the spirit, that is the best recipe for conviction to produce confession. Confession of sins but also confession that, that Christ is Lord. There, there's two parts to that. There is confessing sin and there is confessing Christ. You are my Lord, you are my master. I am submitting myself to you, which then leads or produces belief in the unbeliever. So the Holy Spirit, he desperately cares for the lost. He's the one that convicts us of sin and the truth of the gospel. Finally, the Spirit is the one that creates something brand new in us. And I love this. Acts 16, verse 15. She and her household, speaking of Lydia, they were baptized. And she asked us to be her guest. And if you agree that I am a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home. And she urged us until we agreed. Let me just kind of paint this picture for you quickly and then... We'll close here in just a moment. First of all, Lydia was given a new family. Her and her household, they were baptized, which identified themselves as members of the family of God. Paul says in Romans 8.15, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. So when she received, when the Holy Spirit was working in, she, was a, she had a searching heart. She heard the gospel presented. Her heart was opened. She received, she believed, she was baptized. She was given a new family. She had been adopted into the family of God. The best family that any person could be adopted into. In the first few centuries, this even idea of baptism was a clear marker that one was part of the Christian family, the Christian faith. To be honest, most people that made a public confession 
that declared Christ was Lord and they were baptized immediately was a very good chance that they could lose their life and pretty good chance that they would lose their family. And, and, and so this was, this was a confession that Christ was their Lord. So she was given a new family. Number two, Lydia was given a new spirit of hospitality. She invited these strangers into her home as guests. I, I don't know if we fully grasp the, the hospitality culture here in the U.S. Uh, it, it's a whole different culture outside of the United States and, and, and honestly probably has changed even over the years or even over the last year or two, that sense of hospitality has probably changed. But, but she has been changed. The Holy Spirit has changed her life. And now what does she do? She invites, these are, she's not met these people before. She invites them into her home as guests and asks them to stay for a while. This hospitality reflects the hospitality of Christ who says to the unbeliever or to the believer, come and fellowship with me. I don't care about your past. I don't care about your shame. I don't care about your come and fellowship with me. What do we see Jesus doing all throughout the Gospels? Who is he hanging out with? He's, he's hanging out with the, the tax collectors, the lepers, the fair, uh, not, well, I mean, he does for a while, but the Pharisees don't want to have anything to do with him. And, and so he spends time, come and fellowship with me. Lydia was also given a new purpose. This church, her house, actually became, likely became the meeting place for the church in Philippi. So not only has her life changed, but now a church is birthed out of the activity of the Holy Spirit in the life of Lydia and her family and those women that were gathering together praying. Acts 16, verse 40, when Paul and Silas left prison, they returned to the home of Lydia. There they met with the believers and encouraged them once more. Then they left town. It is believed that, that the church in Philippi actually met or was birthed or started in the home of Lydia. Somebody who was searching, was what had a hungry heart. When the gospel was presented, the Holy Spirit opened her heart. And because of that, not only was her life and her family's life changed, but a church was birthed and many came to know Christ out of that experience. She became instrumental for the kingdom of God. The same spirit that created something new in the heart of Lydia. He does so for us when we come to him and we respond to the truth of the gospel. When we respond to the work of the Holy Spirit in our life, when we say yes to following him, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead comes to live inside of you, in me, in every believer. Folks, the moment that you are saved, we receive all of the Holy Spirit. I want you to hear that this morning. All of the Holy Spirit comes to live inside, comes to dwell, comes to take up residence in our hearts and in our life. The Spirit, the moment that we are saved, the Spirit makes you and me adopted sons and daughters of God. If you want to know what that looks like, we just uh, last weekend in our discipleship group were talking about Ephesians chapter 2, or actually all of Ephesians. But Ephesians 2 specifically talks about, even chapter 3, talks about what it looks like to be a part of the family of God, to be adopted as sons and daughters in his family. The Spirit also, how many believe the Spirit gives us new perspective? Uh, the moment that he comes, to, we, we see, we begin to see things as God sees them. How many wants to see things as God sees them this morning? I, I pray and hope that that is your, the Spirit gives us new perspective. He also gives us new purpose to live our life, not for ourselves any longer, but to live our life to make certain that Christ is known. 
The moment that the Spirit takes up residence in our life, the, 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 the result or the fruit of the Spirit of God working in our life, we should have a change in our desire, not just in our perspective, but in our desire, not to, to make me famous, not to make myself or my family famous, but to make Christ known and to make him famous. Yvonne, if you want to come. A few more things I'm going to put up on the screen. Don't tune me out just yet. It is the Spirit of God, not human efforts, not scholarly debates, not even natural wisdom that brings the unbeliever or the unreached to Christ. But this is done in conjunction with the proclamation of the Word of God. It is the Spirit. Listen, it's the Spirit that stirs us to go and preach Christ. And so obedience is necessary on our part. If the Spirit of God is stirring in your heart to have a conversation with somebody, share them about the good news of Jesus Christ, to encourage them in Christ, to lift them up, then obedience is our part. So not only is he working in the heart of the unbeliever, but simultaneously the Spirit is working in the heart of the believer, and he is, he is nudging us. He is nudging us to share, to proclaim, to encourage, to lift up. And we need to be sensitive to that move and that activity of the Spirit in our life. I don't want to miss an opportunity. I don't want to bypass an opportunity when God has positioned me in the path of somebody who needs to hear the Word of God, who needs to hear the hope that we have in Christ. The Spirit prepares the heart of the people to receive the preached Word. The Spirit convicts the heart of the people of their lostness and desperate need of a Savior. The Spirit then takes up residence inside and makes new the one who responds to the activity of the Spirit. I want you just to close your eyes for just a moment. I want to ask you a couple of questions. First of all, I just want to make it very simple this morning. Unlike last week, I threw out a lot of theological terms and words today we begin to look at and examine the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and we're going to do that over the next two weeks but maybe first of all let me just ask this question nobody looking around all eyes closed maybe you're here this morning and, and, and you would categorize yourself as either a non-believer somebody that's never May Jesus Christ the Lord of their life. Or maybe you're one here today. You're, you have a searching heart, a hungry heart, but you've never, never confessed Him as your Lord. And maybe the Holy Spirit is even tugging at your heart this morning and calling you to Himself. And you want to make certain, even before you leave today, that your heart is right with God that you can be adopted as His son or as His daughter. You can be welcomed into the family of God. And you want to make certain of that. Let me just encourage you to say yes. Don't say I'll do it another day, another time, another moment. When I'm ready, the Holy Spirit is tugging at your heart and he is calling you to himself today. Say yes. Make Christ the Lord of your life not going to ask you to raise your hand i'm not going to ask you to come forward i want you and this is this is a moment between you between you and god and if the holy spirit is tugging at your heart today you've never made christ the lord of your life you've never invited him to take up residence you've been searching maybe you're like lydia 
Lydia was gathering together with other women to pray at the set-aside times of prayer. She was a God-fearer, but she had never encountered a person of Christ. But when the word was proclaimed by Paul, the Spirit opened up their hearts. They received, they believed, and they were baptized, and they became sons and daughters of God's family. If you're here today and the Holy Spirit is tugging at your heart, I encourage you, I urge you to say yes. Say yes to Him. Second thing I want to ask you this morning, really just a statement, and then I'll end with a question here. I want you to be encouraged and know, and I said this at the beginning, the Spirit cares about the lost. So maybe you're here this morning and you have a son or a daughter or a grandchild or a spouse that's not walking in right relationship, maybe as a prodigal, maybe has stepped away, maybe once served God, but for whatever reason has stepped away from that relationship. I want you to be encouraged. Number one, keep praying. Number two, be encouraged this morning and know that God has not given up on them. He cares about them. He's orchestrating. He's positioning people. And folks, if we want other people to be positioned in front of our children, our grandchildren, our spouses, and we want other people to be obedient, we too should do the same because there may be people today that are praying and maybe asking God to position us. They may not know us, but maybe we're the ones that have been positioned in front of somebody else's son or daughter. And we would want the same for our children, our spouses. So let's be obedient and know that God is active in their life. Recall the statistics of those who are lost or unreached. 3.28 billion people in the world are considered unreached. 212,000 unchurched inside of East Central Indiana. 14,000 unchurched in Jay County. As a believer, again, this is between you. Eyes are closed. Between you and the Holy Spirit. Yvonne's going to close with this song not even going to ask you to stand. I just want you to kind of stay in this posture of prayer this morning. But I want you to consider this question. As a believer, what action is the Holy Spirit calling to you, calling you to specifically? Who needs to hear the message of Christ? Who has He positioned you in front of? Who is He calling you to share the hope of the gospel with? So as we close with this song this morning, I just want you to remain just for a few minutes in this posture of prayer. And then I'll close us in prayer. But I want you to consider those two questions. If the Holy Spirit is tugging at your heart and you've never said yes to serving Him, say yes today. And number two, if you are a believer here in this room, pray and ask, Holy Spirit, who are you calling me to? How are you calling me to respond to this message and to this word today? Let's sing this together this morning.